The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, 12 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. Yeah, you know, I think regardless of what exists on paper about interventions, about budget allocations, ultimately a huge part of what we think about the healthcare system will always come down to our individual experiences when we go to a clinic, when we go to a health facility. And for as long as people feel that when they go to access services, they simply aren't met with the level of care that they would expect, then it just means that there's still so much work that needs to be done. And it's really sad uh, to hear some of the experiences um, that some of you were sharing in those WhatsApp voice notes. And and thank you uh, for sharing them because I think it shows just the extent of um, the the breakdown that exists and what it is that needs to be fixed. Our final conversation for this morning is looking at um, community development practitioners and the importance, of course, uh, community development practitioners. Um, this is a, a sector where, which often, I think, goes unnoticed. They do thankless work in communities. You'll find them mostly in your township areas, in your rural areas, and providing services that in many ways are strengthening the work that government is supposed to be doing. Sometimes these community practitioners are operating under NGOs. Sometimes they're not even under any formal structure. It's just good Samaritans in communities that see a gap and that, you know, step in um, to, to, to meet that gap. Well, how do we professionalize the sector is the conversation that we're having this morning. Let me welcome onto the show Lydia Maredi who is a Community Development Policy Manager in the Department of Social Development. Lydia, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Mbonching Gumede is also a community policy, a community development a policy manager in the Department of Social Development. Mbonching, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. It's Mbonching uh, we also have joining us on the line Bagedi Mutubadze, who is an executive manager for education and training equality and training quality assurance rather at the health and welfare CETA. Bagedi, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Lydia, let's talk about community development practitioners. Um, When you say it this way, it sounds really fancy. But, of course, this is not a a fancy job at all. These are the people who are willing to get their hands dirty and provide services in in, in a community. What's the kind of work that community development practitioners do? Uh, thank you for the question, Kathy. Just to say that community development practitioners, as we've indicated, they are spread across the country. So we've got practitioners who are in government. We, uh, we also have practitioners who are in civil society organizations, the NGOs that you have mentioned. We also have practitioners who are in private sector organizations. So they are spread like that. But back to your question, in terms of the work that they do, they do various programs, they assist communities, 
in any need that the community might have. But in terms of the programs, we've got a program that we call community mobilization, where we are profiling the community. In that profiles, we need to know the structure of the community, who are in the community, who, uh, in terms of the community structures and all of that. And then we also have another program uh, that is Sustainable Livelihood Program, where we do interventions like skills development, socioeconomic interventions, as well as uh, partnerships with the community in terms of the cooperatives, the self-help groups. So we do a lot of socioeconomic interventions, as I've mentioned. We also have a youth development program, also in the youth development program we do a uh, programs like skills development as well focusing now only on young people so it could be young people with disabilities it could be ordinary young people and uh, we support them and we empower them in terms of what they should be doing we also do mentoring and coaching programs for young people so that they are able to establish their own forums mm. in the community and so that they are able to support one another. So that is largely what community development practitioners are all about. And, and how do we distinguish between somebody who is doing volunteer work and somebody who is um, in government, because you say that you have community development practitioners who are in government, in the private sector, in NGOs, and yet uh, sometimes a huge chunk of, of, of these individuals are also um, depending on relying on a grant that they could potentially qualify for, um, including grants from, 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 from the Department of Social Development. So, so how do you, as a department, define who then is this practitioner that at least might be able to come and get some kind of funding from you for the work that they are doing? Uh, remember, in terms of that, we've got NPOs, non-profit organizations. So if you require funding from us as a department, you need to do your, your business plan for your, your non-profit organization. So you will then register the nonprofit organization with the department. And then that registration, you will then receive a registration certificate. The registration certificate will then allow you to be able to mobilize for any resources that you will require for your NPO. You can mobilize the resources from government, but you can also mobilize the resources from private sector organizations. All right. Mponseng, why the need to professionalize this work? And, and when we say that it's being professionalized, what do we really mean? Thank you, Kathy. Uh, by professionalization, we mean we want the sector to be recognized. We, just now you spoke about community development practitioners who are not even known. Mm. But through professionalization, they will be recognized. It will help them to get recognition. And there will be a professional body that will be taking care of their regulations that will, and also ensure that their ethics, the communities are not taken advantage of. 
that's accountability part of it. But also the professional board will also be responsible for the education and training of the community development practitioners. They will work together with all the training providers, including the higher education institutions. Vakedi, let me bring you into the conversation. What really then is the benefit of professionalizing the sector? Um, Which again, when you look at what it is that community development uh, practitioners do can vary depending on the field they're in, depending on sometimes what it is that they're being funded to do. Um, So how do you as a a CETA come in and say, well, this is how we're going to recognize, um, you know, the learning for for such a profession? Um, From the CETA side, KP, we are responsible as per the NQS Act. We are responsible to ensure that there is seamless uh, movement on the NQF, whether a person has acquired their learning through a, a, a university or private institution, they can move up the NQF. Now, your question on profi- professionalization, um, we are on the supply side. We ensure that we have providers that are accredited to offer this um, accredited training and also to ensure that there is quality training that is happening in the sector. Just to talk to what Mponsing has uh, has said right now, um, the whole concept of professionalization will therefore start with a, a quality training that has taken place, being offered by accredited providers that we have on our database, that we are sure that after the learner has gone through the training, they are ready to be professionalized. That should also indicate that we have registration with the council as well. So if the learner has gone through professional training and quality training, they are ready at an auxiliary level to register with the council so that they stand to, to, to also qualify as a professional as professional practitioners. So we play a role in, in, in a sense of saying we will supply uh, from our side quality training offered by our accredited providers so that we assist the department to get all the skills that they want for this cater to be um, registered and also to be professionalized. What is the benefit of being registered? What is the benefit of having um, you know this this learning recognized as 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 you've all put it this morning. The benefit is that um, you will have the required skills. Remember, our training is outcome based, so you will have the required skills that the department will need in order for you to be to be professionalized. Without being registered with us to get the quality training that you need. Obviously, you won't get to the outcome that you need to be a professional uh, community development practitioner. So so let me come back to the studio and ask, what does the training then entail? Again, because so many people are doing different things in communities, what is recognized? So if I'm a young person and I'm doing all sorts of volunteer work in my community and I want to be recognized. I want this to be um, a skill that is officially recognized. 
what is it that that you're going to be looking at to say actually um you know you can be part of the program or we can recognize the skill based on on what lydia uh, thank you for the question kathy just to say that in terms of the recognition of prior learning we started with the uh, the social development practitioners so we started with the auxiliary level like uh, jane has indicated and uh, in the seven provinces that we had practitioners so what the program aimed to do was to recognize the learning and the experience that the practitioners have been on the ground for many years some of them for 10 or more years uh, on the ground doing the work but they did not have a certificate that will recognize the work that they've been doing or that will recognize the experience so through the rpl process as we we know we know it we call it rpl but it's recognition of prior learning we have recognized those practitioners and they those who have succeeded they have got they have received a certificate nqf level 5 certificate which is at an auxiliary level these are actually what we call uh, in our language we call them assistant community development practitioners they are at an auxiliary level but like my colleagues have indicated the certificate will enable them as well when we are fully professionalized the certificate will enable them to register with the council uh, as auxiliary practitioners so but the the the, the program has started in the department currently about 580 81 learners have successfully completed the the program and they have graduated. The last graduation that we had was last week in the Western Cape uh, uh, where we were recognizing and the, 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 the learners and they have received the certificates that my colleagues were talking about. All right. Mponseng, I'm going to ask you to try and break it down for me. Even this recognition of prior learning, if I've been practicing as a journalist, and I want an institution to recognize prior learning. That means that there's something I must bring to the table, right? I must say, no, I've been working in the newsroom. I've been reporting stories, et cetera, et cetera. So this is my evidence to, to, to support why I, I deserve to receive, whether it's a degree, a junior degree, whatever, uh, you know, as, 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 as prior learning. How does it work with community development practitioners? What, what is it that they need to show that, that w this prior learning, what, what is it that is the prior learning? Thanks, Kathy. Uh, in, like Lydia has indicated, we focused on the personnel that were in the department. And uh, through the health and facility support, we have a memorandum of understanding. We've got three qualifications, actually, that have been developed specifically for community development to address the challenges where we would find that we, someone would say, I'm a community development practitioner, but when you look at the content of their qualification, it was different. So we started there with South African Qualifications, uh, uh, South, African, South African Qualifications Authority, where we developed 
the qualifications NQF level 4, NQF level 5, and NQF level 8. So what we did then for this RPL, we embarked on the process with the provinces to say, we need people who at least have been working for not less than three years. Yes, that was a requirement. But then this, through the service provider that was appointed by Health and Welfare CETA, they would have to submit portfolio of evidence. It was an 18 months process when we started with the pilot. Mm. They had to fill in to say, if you know, you say you, you can do profiling, give us proof. So they would have to submit proof that they have done profiling. If it's about, uh, I've engaged with the stakeholders, I know how to engage stakeholders, I've, or I've facilitated meetings, then they have to submit that portfolio of evidence. Most of them are complaining that the, the ones who have just qualified that they were given one blue file, but at the end they would have to submit about three files. And where there was a gap specifically for issues that the department was not offering, Health and Facilitator came on board and offered top-up training on those specific unit standards to ensure that at the end all that qualified got there. So, 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 as a starting point, then the people that have have mostly sort of received this recognition of prior learning are those that are employed by the department. Yes. Okay. So it's not people that are out there in the community that are, are doing work because. I would imagine because they're department employees, are they mostly social workers or they're doing different kind of work? Explain it to me, please. Okay, maybe I can also indicate that we've got social service practitioners and mm. community development practitioners is one of those and social workers and child youth care workers. Okay. So this is the third. Uh, and when even in the council right now, we've got two boards, but the third one for community development will be, will be coming. So the community development practitioners were employed to deal with the socioeconomic challenges in the department, but then those resulted in challenges within the department because when you f look at the skills, these people were not able, hence the interventions where we've got various interventions like training of, CDP, of CDPs, but then recognition of prior learning was one of those and development of the qualifications was one of those of addressing those challenges that were picked up to say we've got personnel but because of the knowledge and skills that they, they are not able to, right. to address the challenges. We'll continue the conversation in a moment, professionalizing um, then the work that is being done by community development practitioners is the conversation that we're having this morning. It's 11.30, time for the latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point this morning. We're talking about the work that is being done to try and professionalize um, the work that that exists in the communities, mostly being done by community development practitioners. We're joined by Lydia Maredi and Mponseng Gumede, who are both uh, community development policy managers in the Department of Social Development, and Vagedi Mutubadze, who's the executive manager for education and training quality assurance at the Health and Welfare CETA. So, Vagedi, let me bring this conversation back to you then. Post being able to give a, and recognize this learning for the individuals that are in the Department of Social Development and this qualification now being offered by the CETA, does it mean it's open to the public? Um, Casey, yes. 
it means it is open to the public. Um, we had qualifications expiring on the 30th of June 2023. So we had unit standard-based qualifications that expired and they were re- replaced by occupational qualifications. So um, we are happy to say that the community development qualification has been developed by our our um our other CETA called ETDP CETA, we have it on MQF level four and MQF level five. But key to to, to the uh, auxiliary worker on that auxiliary level, as my colleagues have indicated, we have identified that there are two ways that um, these um, practitioners can get a certificate. Through RPL, recognition of prior learning, like they have indicated, that the um, department and HWCTA worked on to come to a pilot and um, rolling it out in various provinces. People who were not aware that they can get a certificate through the recognition of prior learning um, were then invited to come on board. And those that are still out there that have got skills in the in their occupation, they gain skills through experience, they can still approach the department so that we can offer the recognition of prior learning to them to get a certificate. But another way of getting a certificate will be through a learnership. So I, I was talking to my fellow colleagues here to say, through our learnerships, can we also add community development so that we can have all these um, uh, employees on an auxiliary level to be able to register with the council and practice, and then after that move into the professionalization of of of, of their of, of their occupation at NQF level eight which obviously my colleagues uh, Lydia and Bonsing will allude to, because there is a career pathway at the the moment that we are preparing them for so that they can get the level eight, MQF level eight, for them to be professionalized. Um, That is where we are going right now. And we we really want the the community uh, practitioners, com- uh, development practitioners, to take advantage of these p- opportunities and ensure that they are recognized for the skill that they have uh, gained throughout the years. So, 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 if I'm understanding you, um, by Gedi, anybody who does work in the community can come forward and see if whatever they've been doing will form part of what you then are officially recognizing and if not you can of course then ad- advise them accordingly um the awc has got uh, an rpl policy that indicates that you need to have three years and more experience mm. okay. for you to come to come through so yes anybody that is out there and they have been practicing there are some that have been practicing for 10 20 years, but they don't have a certificate to show for what they know. So they can approach the, the, uh, the, uh, their provincial office and indicate that they will want to go for RPL. And I, I believe that the department won't turn them away. They will definitely um, consider them when we roll out. Because from the HWC side, we do have a budget, an annual budget to ensure that we get people 
to come on board and be recognized through RPL. Let me go to Mzwandile, who's out in Kabecha. Mzwandile, good morning. Hi, Kathy. Uh, yes. Yeah, look, I, I, I can tell you're having utmost difficulty dragging the information from uh, the panelists there. Yeah, do you know what we need? Fortunately, I happen to work in uh, rural areas. What we need is one, we need mass training of community practitioners from scratch. So that is to say, because actually, if, if you're hearing what, what your panels are saying there, Practitioners really are an extension, are like extension officers uh, on behalf of the state for lack of a better word. So it's people who would have assessed the needs of a community and aligned them for intervention. So what I'm saying is what we actually need is, is, is them who are trainers of uh, development practitioners to train them on a mass scale. Firstly, to do that, you would have assessed where are the gaps within the community between the state and the community and then train people in those areas now what i think the benefit of that would be is you would you would stop having politicization of people who have a skill and, and by that i mean for instance if mzwandile happens to be a volunteer community practitioner what generally happens is when a politician will come there recognize that skill and then adopt me politically and then you start with political divisions within the community. Whereas I feel what what they are bringing your panelists is quite good, but it has not been brought to the community on a mass scale that is standardized and reinforced continuously. And that starts by first assessing what are the actual needs of the community, where a gap is existing between what the state is providing and what the community is needing. Let me make a practical example. Father was a nurse in a town called Fenderstadt. When she arrived there, there were only two nurses. It was her and a white nurse. This goes back in the early 90s. My mother recognized that, you know what, the work that is needed here needs a lot more nurses than what they can provide and cope. The state is not making that intervention. She went and sourced community volunteers whom she could train to become almost like an extension of the health work system. There was about eight or 10 of them, or 15. And over time, uh, with intervention, the proper training, those people later on become, became adopted as part of the uh, service providers or practitioners within the health system. They are now on the database, on a, what do you call that, patient's role. And at the moment, they are earning a stipend on income through the health system. So what I'm saying is that is what is needed. It is an actual recognition of what are the needs of communities and in which areas could people be trained and by, by providing such training, you are able then to professionalize the people. But the way I'm, I'm hearing from the panelists, it's like they want to professionalize those who are already volunteering, but that might be a minute number of people versus the actual needs of the people. Mzwandile, thank you so much for that call. I think you've really helped to clarify uh, part of what is happening in, in the sector. I understand it a lot better uh, following the examples that you've given. So thanks for that, Mzwandile. Yeah.
All right, Mzondile is out in Kabecha and um, is is working in the space. I've got somebody else here who's um, sent through a message, but I don't know if this is a legitimate question. A listener says, hi, hi, Kathy, I hold a Master of Business Administration with a focus of with a co- focus on corporate social responsibility and NGO management through a university in Germany. I have years of community development work. What would the process be um, for my case if I wanted to be recognized? Um, what what would this individual have to do? And given the fact that he already um, holds a, a master's in, in this field, does he, does he need a, a certificate like this? Would it still ben- benefit him to have it added to, to his qualifications? I don't know who, want to, who wants to answer. Okay, Mponteng, you can go for it. Okay. Uh, we started the process of engaging the community some years back mm-hmm. with the Council, South African Council of Social Service Practitioners. The South African Council of Social Service Practitioners already has a database right now of people who will be allowed to nominate and also to elect people who are going to be in the board. The board is the one that is going to uh, regulate the, 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 the sector. But uh, we have also have requested the council to say they need to open up that database again. And as we are speaking, we've got the regulations that are going to be gazetted soon, as soon as the Minister of Social Development approves the, those uh, regulations. Then the process of professionalization will start. But to ensure that everyone else is allowed into the process, then the council will open up for people to register so that they can nominate. The board is the one that is going to come back to the sector and draft the regulations and saying mm-hmm. who is going to be accepted to be uh, uh, registered is there as an auxiliary community development practitioner or as a professional community development practitioner. All right. All right. Thanks for that. Baikedi, perhaps let me get your final word on this conversation. Um, my final word is that um, there will be those practitioners that will want to go for training on their own and pay for their, fee, uh, uh, their fees to get this community development qualification. Um, There are providers out there that take our learners for granted and they take their money and disappear. So we want to just um, alert these learners to be uh, aware of them and for them to register with these uh, institutions, they must firstly um, be sure that these practitioners are um, are accredited with the CETA, they can call our number 011-607-6900, 011-607-6900 or 7002. And our email address to check whether a provider is accredited or not is hwceta at hwceta.org.za hwcita at And a, pro- a provider that claims that they are accredited must show you a letter of accreditation that is signed by myself, and that will show that they are definitely accredited with the HWCITA. And it must reflect community development on that certificate. If right. it doesn't, 
then they are not accredited. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much for that, Bagedi. Lydia, let me close it off with you very briefly, please. Yeah, yes, just to say, in, in terms in responding to Mzwandile's question and the lady who's got the master's, as we said, the online registration from the council uh, uh, will be reopened very soon and we will be making co- a call for all those practitioners who've got qualifications and those who do not to register on the database so that when we are professionalizing, they should be part. And I agree with Mzwandile to say that this program is very massive, the community development program. So we need to reach out to all the people who are out there who wants to be part of the program, and they must also play part in the program. Just also to say that in closing, Kathy, we are also we have developed a policy that will regulate how all these practitioners should be working on the ground. Remember now, they are working without a policy. And as we said, we have not yet professionalized them. So there's a lot that is happening in the sector. So the national policy will be uh, uh, be, uh, approved by cabinet so that we know exactly what these practitioners are doing on the ground but also so that we know who are these practitioners that are on the ground. Because currently, Mzwandile is right, currently we don't know. We only know those that are on our database and those that are primarily employed by government. Mm. So we are doing a database so that we know who's in the sector and what kind of qualifications or skills do they have. All right. Let me thank you all for coming on to the show today. Lydia Maredi and Mponseng Gumede, who are both with the Department of Social Development as a Community Development Policy Managers, and Baigedi Mutubadze, who's with the Health and Welfare CETA. That's where we leave it for this morning. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We're back with you again tomorrow. For now, I leave you with the book.